In this podcast, I'll be talking about the character of Gerald Croft and his role in J.B. Priestley's play in Inspector Calls. I'm going to be exploring what Priestley wanted us to learn from this character and what lessons a modern audience might take away from his behaviour towards the people he encounters. To begin with, it's really important for us to think about what the playwright, J.B. Priestley, specifically tells us about him in the stage directions at the beginning of the play. We are told that Gerald Croft is an attractive chap about 30, rather too manly to be a dandy, but very much the well-bred young man about town. In this short but very revealing snippet of information, we learn a number of things. Firstly, Gerald is a sophisticated and stylish gentleman who probably garners rather a lot of female attention as a result of these things, more of which we'll discuss later. Secondly, we learn that he's well-bred, suggesting he comes from a family in comfortable circumstances who have been able to lavish him with the best upbringing and education possible. Finally, Priestley tells us that he's a man about town, so he's known for socialising and being seen in public having fun. This would probably have been expected of a bachelor of his age at this time, before he settled down and got married. Okay, so Act 1. The audience is thrown into the action in the middle of a dinner party. A celebration involving drinking, conversation and laughter. The celebration is taking place at the Burling household, where their daughter Sheila has snagged herself a very eligible fiancé in the shape of Gerald Croft. The son of a wealthy rival business owner, or as Mr Burling puts it, Just the kind of son-in-law I've always wanted. Which probably tells us more about Mr Burling than it does about Gerald. Gerald is the son of Lady Croft, which means he's a member of the English aristocracy. This means that his family would likely own vast amounts of land and would have a great deal of power, particularly in their local community. The Crofts would be a family that the Burlings look up to and want to emulate. Gerald is affable and charming throughout the party, his superior social status already having won over Mr and Mrs Burling. Mrs Burling describes Gerald's romantic gestures as clever, and Mr Burling gets out the same brand of port as Gerald's father to make a good impression of their lifestyle choices. They are delighted with the engagement, so it's up for them to impress Gerald. Nevertheless, Gerald continues to suck up to his future parents-in-law, insisting upon being one of the family showing that he knows how to respect his elders and how to behave in social situations. For the next part of this podcast, I'm going to break down the character of Gerald into four different areas. These areas are as follows. One, that he has a privileged status in society. Two, that he tries to be a bridge between the older and younger generations depicted in the play, but catastrophically fails. Three, that he's secretive. And four, that he's foolish and learns nothing from the situation he and the Burlings find themselves in. Let's look at why Gerald is privileged and how he shows it in the way he speaks and behaves. Firstly, we see how oblivious he is to the part he has played in the downfall of Eva Smith, Daisy Renton. Shortly after the inspector interrupts the engagement party, Gerald responds to the inspector in a very abrupt way, saying, I can't imagine what it could be, absolutely certain that he's got nothing to do with the incident resulting in the death of a young woman, and wouldn't you rather I was out of this, when the inquisition of Mr Berlin commences. 
it is clear that Gerald has sailed through life on the back of his parents' status in society and has had little experience of scandal and hardships. This is not something that happens to him. Gerald questions the inspector constantly, sniping at his every move and attempts to discredit and unbalance him. He states, I don't know how this inquiry gets you anywhere and we can't help you because we don't know. Clearly displaying the confidence given to him by his privileged status in society in order to stand up to the inspector's line of questioning. Furthermore, he challenges the inspector's behaviour when he says, Getting a bit heavy-handed, aren't you, Inspector? After some stern words aimed at Eric Burling. Gerald sees himself as superior to the Inspector and feels as though he has nothing to fear in questioning the Inspector's actions. He defends the Burling family by saying, After all, you know, we're respectable citizens and not criminals, which contradicts what we do know about their actions, suggesting that the upper classes often get away with a lot of bad behaviour as a result of their status in society. Another way that we see his privilege is in his ignorance and lack of understanding of the hardships faced by others. After Mr Burling explains the situation surrounding the strike led by Eva Smith at his works and how it didn't last for very long, Gerald notes, not if it was just after the holidays, they'd all have been broke if I know them. The assumption being made here by Gerald is that working class people fritter away their money senselessly with little regard of how to look after themselves sensibly. He shamelessly misunderstands what it is really like to live with little money to feed, house and keep yourself warm and the desperate state Eva Smith and her fellow workers must have been in to need to strike for better wages. Gerald also displays misogynistic opinions of sex workers, euphemistically referring to them as women of the town who he claims to hate and as hard-eyed, doe-faced women clearly showing no understanding of what circumstances might lead to a woman needing to sell her body for money. Next, we're going to consider how Gerald tries to act as a bridge between the generations. He's a bit older than Sheila and Eric, early 30s, so he finds himself somewhere in between the younger and older characters in the play. However, from the outset, we see him siding towards the views held by Mr and Mrs Burling and referring repeatedly to what his parents would do in their views on certain subjects. The governor prides himself on being a good judge of port, emphasising his father's important status in Bromley society, and I think my father would agree to that. He sides with Mr Burling on the subject of firing Eva Smith. I know we'd have done the same thing, the we in this case, being he and his father, and says, you couldn't have done anything else. This contrasts with Eric, who offers an alternative view on the situation, suggesting that Mr Burling could have kept her on instead of throwing her out. Gerald is clearly staking his position with the more hardened, traditional and capitalist views of the older generation in opposition to the more understanding outlook depicted through Eric. We also see how badly Gerald misjudges Eric early on in the play when he chooses to conspire in a joke about him with Mr Burling. Unless Eric's been up to something, nodding confidentially to Burling, and that would be awkward, wouldn't it? Here again, Gerald is putting himself in opposition with the younger generation, acting as he's more mature and responsible than Eric, which we soon learn is not the case. The third area I wanted to focus on was how secretive Gerald The third area I wanted to focus on was how secretive Gerald proves himself to be when faced with his guilt. When Gerald learns from the inspector that Eva Smith changed her name to Daisy Renton, his mask begins to slip. 
The stage directions suggest that Gerald is left trying to smile, unable to hold on to the confident and unflappable persona that is so much a part of his character. Then, when Sheila questions him about his involvement with Eva Smith, Daisy Renton, she is given a short, curt and monosyllabic response, attempting to bring an end to the conversation as soon as possible. All right, I knew her, let's leave it at that. Gerald is not used to being interrogated in this way, and the audience begins to see a new side of his character. No longer charming and affable, now reticent and bitter. The length to which Gerald will go to keep the secret of his affair with Daisy Renton hush-hush is really quite shocking. He even tries to enlist his fiancée Sheila to keep it quiet. We can keep it from him. That being that he had a secret relationship with Daisy while he was supposed to be madly in love with Sheila. Then, when in Act 2, he begins to spill the beans he wants to hide the more scandalous details from the ears of his precious fiancée. It's bound to be unpleasant and disturbing, he says. Once again trying to protect the perfect image of himself in the public sphere. Gerald wants to be seen as the perfect fairy prince, as Sheila ironically refers to him as, and to focus on his part in making Eva, Daisy, feel content, reminding the inspector and the Burlings that she told me she'd been happier than she'd ever been before, none of which counts for anything because he took advantage of her vulnerability, admitting that he became at once the most important person in her life, all whilst not garnering any real strong emotions for her as he acknowledges. I didn't feel about her as she felt about me. Finally, he's secretive in his own emotions and hiding his true feelings. Gerald appears to live by the belief in the stiff upper lip, the stoic Englishman who never lets slip his true feelings. I'm rather more upset by this business than I probably appear to be. Lastly, we're going to look at how Gerald learns nothing from the situation he's found himself in. After taking a walk outside to clear his head after the night's spectacular revelations, he discovers that there was no such person as Inspector Gould. He gleefully exclaims that we've been had on the discovery that Inspector Gould isn't exactly who he appears to be. Rallied along in excitement by Mr and Mrs Burling, Gerald sets about releasing himself from the hook of guilt and this once again sets him in opposition with Sheila and Eric. He questions whether it's a fact that he and the Burlings helped Kaliva Smith and takes on the role of chief interrogator, jabbing Sheila and Eric with phrases such as, did we? Who says so? It's a hoax of some kind. Constantly aiming to pick holes with the inspector and their involvement with Eva Smith. This finally leads him to the question, how do we know any girl killed herself today? He uses his status when calling the infirmary to ascertain if any suicides have been brought in that night and relishes the opportunity to share the news that none have. The stage directions describe him as smiling, and following this takes up Mr Burling's offer of a drink. Gerald has completely forgotten his part in the tragedy, and it's party time again apparently. Gerald shows the unbelievable depths of his delusion when he claims that everything's alright now Sheila, holds up the ring, what about this ring? The bitter hilarity of this suggestion is lost on neither Sheila nor the audience, who are united in anger and disbelief. Whether or not his actions resulted in the death of a young woman, he still picked her up when poor and vulnerable, played with her emotions, dropped her when he lost interest, paid her off, all while being unfaithful to someone he claimed to love. 
the audience should claim some satisfaction with the ending that Gerald finally and others will hopefully get their comeuppance. But instead, all they are left with is fury at the shocking treatment of a fellow human being. <laughs>